So it's obviously um, a great joy for us to be able to have Mass here in a public way once more, at least um, to have 130 people here at one time after going through um, this long period, over a month, where we were only able to have public gatherings of 10 people. Um, so, yeah, we, we were able to keep the church open the whole time. I want to remind you of that um, when the churches of the diocese uh, were not open during this time, um, and hopefully to nourish your souls during this time of cer a certain spiritual desert where we had 42 to 45 hours of adoration each weekend, um, giving you time to, to come here for, for one hour, spend time with our Lord, receive the sacraments of confession and communion. Um, so this, as I say, I, I hope has been spiritually profitable for you. And um, yeah, we've, we've not become too naturalistic in the, in the situation, um, but have become holier as a result. Um, it's so easy for us to become naturalistic in any situation, but especially in this coronavirus situation, um, people have been sometimes too focused on worldly things. So as I say, thanks be to God. Um, yeah, we, we have at least um, this ability to come back together and worship as a congregation. The restrictions and the, the social distancing measures we have in place are simply out of precaution. Um, they are not uh, designed to give you inconvenience. They, they are designed in order to take the, the proper prudential measures in order to safeguard your health because the virus is actually a real thing. Um, it's just a little bit, I don't know, interesting from the perspective of the priest to see um, the, the, the sinusoidal reactions that people have over the course of the virus. At the beginning, everybody's absolutely terrified of it. Um, and we're, we're telling me that we, we should, you know, basically lock down. Um, now everybody thinks it's a joke and they, they don't want any measures to be in place. Um, but throughout all this, we, we have to be prudent. And just, I want to assure you that all the decisions that I've tried to make have, have been to, in order to, on the one hand, um, preserve your health, on the other, uh, preserve your souls as, as far as we've been able within the allowances of the government. We didn't want to break the law. I think that would have been extremely and utterly imprudent to, to get us all thrown into jail. That would have not profited any of us. Um, on the other hand, it would not have been good for us to just say, well, we're going to be even more prudent than the government, as unfortunately the Catholic dioceses around the world have sort of gone beyond um, what the government has required, oftentimes shutting down, and therefore leaving souls without confession and communion for this whole time. So, um, as I say, I, I think that we've hopefully been able to strike that happy balance uh, during this time, and um, God willing, we're, we're kind of out of the woods at this point. Um, I, it, it would be very inconvenient if we had sort of the, the uh, virus rage throughout our parish. If, if somebody contracted the virus and then somebody else, and then, you know, we had all these coronavirus cases. Uh, because people just go crazy when anybody gets the coronavirus and you have to self start to self-quarantine. And you would, you would have to, uh, you, we may come in a situation where we would have to quarantine the church. And I definitely 
don't want that to happen, especially all the, after all that we've uh, been through. So um, just a few announcements today. Um, we, we have this Rosary Crusade that I want to encourage you to be generous with. Um, we, we do need to pray to Our Lady more um, than we do. We, we, we need to pray more. Um, we, we, as I say, we tend in these crises to, to turn in on ourselves and not turn to prayer. Um, let us be generous to Our Lady, especially since we have this extra motivation to pray a Rosary Crusade for very beautiful intentions. In the back, you can find these booklets that, that list um, the various intentions and also give some nice little reflections and have uh, sort of calendars you can fill out how many rosaries you prayed. You just mark down one rosary per person that's said if you have 10 people in your family who pray a family rosary, well, that's, that's 10 rosaries, for instance. Um, so the um, distance learning drop-off and pick-up will take place tomorrow. Um, I just realized that I've got an old bulletin up here. So, um, yeah, this, this is absolutely useless. Okay, yeah, let's, let's get, this one's from April 26th. Okay, May the 10th. Yeah, that's the one I need. Um, so, the, during this month of Our Lady, we have this shrine set up to Our Lady. So, if you want to come and you want to bring a flower for, for Our Lady to honor her in that way, you're, you're welcome to, to do so. Um, we will be having Masses throughout the week, and that will be back to normal. I just ask that you sign up. Please sign up for, for the Mass and this, so we can get an idea beforehand of how many people might show up for the daily Mass. Okay. The epistle for this fourth Sunday after Easter um, is taken from the epistle of St. James. Dearly beloved, every best gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no change nor shadow of alteration. For of his own will has he begotten us by the word of truth, that we might be some beginning of his creatures. You know, my dearest brethren. And let every man be quick to hear, but slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man works not the justice of God, Wherefore, casting away all uncleanness and abundance of malice, with meekness receive the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 16th chapter of the Gospel of St. John. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, I go to him that sent me, and none of you ask me, Whither goest thou? But because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go. For if I go not, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convince the world of sin and of justice and of judgment, of sin because they believe not in me, and of justice because I go to the Father, and you shall see me no longer, and of judgment because the prince of this world is already judged. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will teach you all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but what things soever he shall hear, he shall speak, and the things that are to come he shall show you. 
He shall glorify me because he shall receive of mine and shall show it to you. Please be seated. So I just want to mention that after the Mass, um, you just need to go right away. The ushers will escort you out, starting in the back and then moving up to the front. Um, we'll just have to, to leave directly because of the fact that the people coming for this, the 11 o'clock Mass need to get in the church right away. Um, and also want to mention that since we don't have a cry room, uh, if there is a need to, to take care of the babies, um, you can go outside through these, these side exits or through the back um, because we can't congregate in the vestibule, but you can use the side exits um, if need be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, there is something sort of very cold and abstract about our modern secular holidays, um, whether it be Labor Day or Flag Day or Arbor Day or my favorite Earth Day. They're all very abstract and remote, and it's really hard for our hearts to be warmed up with enthusiasm on these days in a spirit of celebration. For instance, labor is not something you can sort of put on a pedestal in honor. There's labor, let us give homage to labor, um, nor is planet Earth. You can put planet Earth on a pedestal and say, let's glorify planet Earth. Um, if we get off work for any of these holidays, chances are we're not gonna be spending any time on our day off um, actually doing what the holiday prescribes, what the holiday is actually about. But there is one exception to this, I think, among the secular holidays, and, and that's definitely Mother's Day. It's absolutely impossible for any of us to turn a mother into some sort of disembodied abstract concept that we honor at a distance for the simple reason that every single one of us has a mother a real mother. Every single one of us come into this world through the nine months of bearing us that our mother went through and through the labor at the very end. And as a result, Mother's Day will always strike close to home and close to our hearts because our mothers are in both places, in our homes and in our hearts. But another reason why it's easier to, for us to be endeared to the secular holiday of Mother's Day is because this secular holiday almost very easily sort of melds into a religious feast. It easily crosses over into the religious realm because the church has us honor as our mother, the very mother of God, and has us dedicate the month of May to that mother, the very same month in which we celebrate Mother's Day. And if any mother whatsoever deserves to be honored on this secular holiday, it is the mother of God, because she is the greatest mother that ever has been or ever will be, for three reasons. The first reason why Our Lady is the greatest mother is by reason of the dignity of her offspring. When we look at any mother whatsoever, 
we consider her children and how her children behave and what greatness her children have achieved. And to the degree that, that her children become great, we ask ourselves, we naturally wonder, who is the mother of that child? Who begot that child? Who is so great? Who is so wonderful? From what did this greatness ultimately derive? And when, when it comes to Our Lady, she will be for all time the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. He came forth from her. He took his body in a miraculous manner from her own flesh. And she is, in a sense, more mother of him than any mother here today is mother of their own children, because in each of the cases of the mothers here today at Mass, their motherhood is shared with a human father. There was both a father and a mother involved in the formation of the body of their own children. But when it comes to Our Lady, the body of her son was wholly and entirely formed from her own body. There was no human man involved in the conception of our Lord Jesus Christ. She was overshadowed by God himself, by the Holy Ghost, that gave to her womb, to her, we, we may say, motherly power, the capacity to form entirely on her own, the body, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is true for this mother alone. Never in the history of the world was it known that a man was not involved in the begetting of a son. But this is what happened with the begetting of our Lord Jesus Christ. Never was it known in the history of the world, and never will it happen again, that a son, a man, came forth entirely and completely from a woman. And no son will ever be as perfect as that son that that woman begat. He alone is both God and man. Therefore, this mother deserves to be honored in a supreme way above all other mothers. Our Lady is the greatest mother, secondly, because of the universality of her motherhood. We tend to esteem a mother more when there is a greater extension to her motherhood. We can think of those women who consecrate themselves to the religious life, and they, therefore they become the mother of so many souls, and we honor them as a result. Or we think of mothers who have a large family, those mothers who have begotten maybe 10 or 12 or 16 children. We, we tend to say, wow, this mother is, is really incredible in, in her motherhood because she's so prolific in her motherhood. Well, when we, when we turn to Our Lady, what we find is, is that Our Lady's motherhood is not restricted to this or that human being in this world, but it extends to every single one of them. We know that Eve was destined to be that mother who would have a universal esteem because she is the mother of the human race. Every single person in the world and the whole history of mankind has ultimately derived from that first mother. 
But when she caused the, the ruin of the human race by her sin, another mother needed to take her place and likewise have a universal scope in her motherhood. And of course, that mother is Our Lady, the Blessed Mother. Our Lady deserves the homage of the entire human race because she is the mother of all in the spiritual order. Everyone who receives grace in this world, and that's everybody, everybody receives grace in this life. And so everyone is under the motherhood of the Blessed Virgin Mary. All the graces that come forth from the cross of her son, passed through her hands, are communicated to souls through her universal uh, role as the mediatrix of all graces. If there are any who are going to have eternal life, it will be because they have been led to heaven by means of her motherhood, of her motherly care. And for this reason, we must pay her a very great homage. The third reason why Our Lady is the greatest mother is because of her sacrifice for her children. Mothers are designed specifically by God to have a sacrificial love for their offspring. They tend by nature itself and also by grace to want to lay down their lives for their children, not to spare themselves in any way in order to ensure the good of their own children. And we honor our mothers more to the degree that they correspond to that inclination that's put in them by God. As I say, both in their nature and in the grace that God communicates them in their state in life. To the degree that, that they correspond to this, they wear themselves out for the good of their children. In the case of Our Lady, she spared absolutely nothing for her son in the sense that she identified herself completely with the role of her son. She understood why her son was on this earth, and she did not spare herself in order to be with her son, to go with her son all the way to the end in the accomplishment of his role in this life. She lived and breathed for him. She put her heart and soul into his divine mission of redemption. She suffered with him when he was on the cross. And that's why we have a second class feast celebrating the very sorrows of Our Lady. We celebrate her willingness to be sorrowful on behalf of her son and on behalf of us because she did not just experience her sorrows for him. Those sorrows, we must see them as especially being experienced for us. She offered those sorrows. She accepted those sorrows. That affliction that we were inflicting upon her, she accepted it for our good, understanding that the merits she would gain at the foot of the cross would redound to our own life. She loved life so much that she was willing to sacrifice the life of her own son that we might live. She always had her total motherhood in mind when she suffered. She wasn't just thinking about her son and his sufferings when she suffered. She was also thinking about how her sufferings would bring us to life. In other words, how her sufferings would be the means by which she would exercise a motherhood over us that would lead 
to the true life, which is that of heaven. On this Mother's Day, let us, of course, be sure to show appreciation to our mothers, our grandmothers, and even our great-grandmothers, if God willing, they are still alive. Even if they're not, we can pray for the repose of their souls. Let us not forget them even after they have passed um, from this life. Perhaps we can pay, pray for our whole maternal line all the way back to Eve on this day, that, that whatever mothers we may have in our line may be delivered from purgatory if they are still there. We need to honor them because they have given us life and they have nurtured us. But let us especially honor our Blessed Mother. She alone has the power to give us a life that will not end. She alone is able to communicate to us the life of God, the true life. And she does this by bringing those graces to our souls. She alone is able to be our mother after our mothers have died and passed out of this life, because there is never a time in your whole life that you are without needing a mother. We all need a mother, even after our mother is gone, even after we are an adult, we have come to our maturity. We need a mother, and God provides us with this mother. There is nothing more that she desires than to communicate life to us, to give us a very great love for her son, to lead us to heaven, to be the star of the sea, that star in the rough waters of this life, that amidst all of our trials and tribulations in the valley of tears, that we may have this guiding light, we may have this mother, motherly nurture that um, comforts us and enables us to remain strong in faithfulness to God in the midst of all the things that happen to us in this life, whether it be the coronavirus or um, whether it be trials that we have in our families, whatever it may be. But in order for us to benefit from her motherly care, we have to have a very frequent recourse to her. And by frequent, I mean, of course, every day. You need to pray your rosary every day, but also to have recourse course to her every hour, that we develop somehow this habit of living in dependence upon her, of turning to her with a great confidence, believing that she exists, that she hears us when we pray, that she's been given that special power by God, that she desires nothing more than to comfort us in this life and make us strong. I want to especially invite you, as I say, to be generous in praying the rosary during this month of May in order to honor her. I can't tell you how many graces you can receive by praying the 15 decades of the rosary each day. If you're able to find time, even just for one month, to pray the 15 decades rosaries of, uh, throughout the day, um, if you're able to pray it on your knees, it's better. But if you have to pray it in your car as well, that is also good. We know that the um, coronavirus is, is a certain virus. It's in the shape of a, of a crown. A corona is, just means Latin for, for crown. Um, but there's another crown that we have. We, we, we have a crown for Our Lady, the Corona Rosarie. Um, the, the rosary is called a crown. It's a, called a crown of roses. And the, this crown, this crown of roses that we weave for our mother in heaven certainly has power to destroy that other crown and this invisible creature that's um, wreaking havoc in the human race. So 
we must want to crown Our Lady, especially in this month of May in 2020, with that crown of roses, asking her to triumph over all of our worries and trials. If we go to her with confidence, she cannot fail to assist us in all of our needs because she's the greatest of all mothers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.